Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Christian. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, a little bit has changed since our last show. I am half-vaxxed. Uh, that didn't stop me from enjoying some good baseball. I had a sore arm for the entire weekend. Uh, it was hard for me to lift the remote uh, to change to another set of four different games to watch at a time. But you know what? We still got it done, and we're still here to put on a show. Yeah, I mean, you know, in in uh, in baseball, in a 162-game season, it's all about playing through the pain, and it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop with the podcasters of uh, of the baseball world. Yeah, you know, I mean, it doesn't stop with the podcasters. You look at the guys in the field. I think it's 85% of of players on teams have to be vaccinated uh, for the team to be able to take the field. So obviously, you know that a lot of these guys have sore arms. Hard for them to hard for them to just go like this. Obviously, I'm assuming no one's getting vaccinated in their throwing arm. I think that'd be very very ill advised. But you know what? They're doing it, and we're doing it too. I mean, we're basically the same. Yes, one and the same. That's that's what we're trying to trying to uh, dole out here, but yeah, um, fun fun week of baseball that uh, has occurred. Uh, one one storyline just about ended, uh, but it was a great storyline nonetheless, and we haven't really talked about them uh, at all this season. The Oakland Athletics, after starting the season one and seven, they went on a 13-game win streak, uh, 65% of, you know, the, the Moneyball win streak. But they uh, they won a lot of games in a row, and they are uh, firmly ahead in the, uh, in the American League West. Yeah, I mean, what a turnaround. Uh, to start 0-6 and then 1-7 at the same time, and immediately turned that around. I mean, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a 13 out of 15. It wasn't like a, you know, 17 out of 20. Like they went straight to 13 in a row and they're already in first place by a game and a half in the standings, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. They've got to be ahead of the Mariners. Mariners. Yeah. Who have also gotten out to a very good start, you know, not as Streaky. Every time, every time the Mariners are like out in front, I sorry to interrupt, but every time the Mariners are like out in front, the A's just come from nowhere. It yeah, like- yeah. Even in um, or no, not a uh, not two thousand two. That was the Angels, but but yeah, the A's. Uh, twenty eighteen is the most recent example. They'll just yeah. Twenty fourteen as well. Yeah, I remember. I remember twenty eighteen where the Mariners were like the sneaky wild card team. And then all of a sudden the A's just yeah. came right behind them. And just midsummer, here comes Oakland. And they win 97 games. <laughs> yeah. Just came out of, uh, came out of nowhere. But yeah, I mean, uh, that, you know, at, at first we were kind of, 
worried about this team, but you know, they, and I feel like the A's usually get out to a slow start in general. They, they do like the A's are have historically been a second half team. You know, the Moneyball team was very much a second half team. Obviously the 20, I mean, I guess the 2014 A's can be the one uh, outlier, by the way, the Dodgers were winning this Sunday night baseball game, uh, seven to one, I believe. It is no longer seven to one, not even close. Oh, wow. Um, it's, it's at least seven, six. It could be seven, seven. Chris, what is the score right now? It's seven, seven. It said the, the, the Padres just tied the game. Uh, we're going to get more into the whole series, but I mean, my God, this every, like just the, the moment you think we don't have a, an entertainment to Padres Dodgers. Uh, we have a blowout game. All of a sudden, two runs in the seventh, two runs in the eighth, two runs and counting in the ninth. Eric Hosmer is actually up right now with the go-ahead run on first, and Jimmy Nelson is in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was yeah. Like we put we put Dodgers Padres down in the prep sheet, thinking that this Sunday night game was over, but mm-hmm. no, not nope. at all. <laughs> By the way, I know we're supposed to be talking about the A's, but like. How do are you have do you have ESPN two on right now? ESPN two? No, I have. I have oh, one. dude, you're missing out because ESPN two is showing the same game but with a Statcast broadcast. Yeah, I think they do that. I think they do that frequently. I remember they they had that for like they a, did it a couple times, but this is the first one of the year, and it's like it's very revamped. Like I remember they did a whole thing on like uh, Dustin Mays, like his. Uh, the horizontal movement of his slider, like it went up five inches between 20, uh, 2020 and 2021. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that yeah, was Dustin May, by the way, finding a get having a lot of, uh, easier time striking guys out this year. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, even tonight alone, he was could be a potential. How about that later on? Two hits, one walk. Uh, one of the hits being a home run to Fernando Tatis. Yeah. But anyway, back to the Oakland A's. Um, did you have a point you were on? No, no. Okay, so I'll just go through some of the big offensive performers. During the streak, Matt Olson pretty much led the way. He slashed 409, 460, 886 with a, a solid 8% walk rate, but even better, a 6% strikeout rate. Uh, he, Matt Olson is normally a big strikeout guy, and he was able to put the ball in play a lot of the time. And I know that strikeouts are very much up this year. They've been up every year since 2008 pretty much. But even when you have guys like Matt Olson that are, you know, perennial 125 strikeouts a year, when you have him hitting the ball in play, like, you know, things are good things are bound to happen. And of course, it's not just him, but that's just something that you can't not notice. Uh, he had 273 weighted runs created plus during the streak. Mark Canna, who is also one of the more underrated players in the game historically through the last two or three seasons combined, he slashed 302, 464, 488. And Jed Lowry, for his third stint with the A's after being pretty much dead with the Mets, 319, 373, 596 with three home runs and 10 runs scored. Uh, One last person I'll mention is Seth Brown, a rookie who is slashing 276, 344, 621. Outside of Olsen, he is the best slugging percentage on the team throughout the streak. Yeah, yeah. He's been Um, awesome. Yeah, you have some offensive guys, you know, guys that who, who you expected to do well and guys who you didn't, you didn't necessarily expect to do well uh, mm-hmm. leading the way. And I mean, that's kind of the theme of the Oakland athletics is 
they'll always just find new guys to uh, produce. Um, they, they have some sort of like pixie dust that they just put on like Seth Brown, you know, guys like that. Yeah. It like, it, it just always finds a way to happen. You know, Jed Lowry goes to the, goes to the Mets and is just injured for. I think he played a total of nine games with the Mets or something like that. Through for, two years. It was a two year. Was it a two year deal? Yeah. Yeah, for two consecutive years, like he's just not on the field at all, and now all of a sudden he's like one of the mo- biggest offensive contributors in the league it, in his late thirties. It just it makes no sense. Yeah, it's it's an ace thing. I mean, like he signed for a decent amount with the Mets too. I want to say it was like ten million a year or something like that. Yeah, and he had a good, like he was on a good trend, and then he hit Queens and it went away, and then he went back to the Bay. And he's back. Exactly. I mean, it's it's back like he never left. Like he's still. I think the last year he was with the A's, he was an All Star. Yeah, 2018. Uh, 2018. He's an All Star with the A's. He then leaves for the Mets, plays nine games in 2019, slashes 000, 125, 000, 125. Doesn't. I'm pretty sure he opted out in 2020. Comes back in 2021, and now he's got a 153 weighted runs created plus. That was entering Sunday. It's changed now, but still. I, yeah, it's uh, it's it's unbelievable, and uh, it doesn't stop doesn't stop with the offense. Obviously, with a 13 game win streak, you need uh, everything everything going on all sides, and uh, the A's found a way to improve their pitching. Uh, you know, obviously, when you think of the A's, you think of their bullpen. Starting out with some of those members, uh, Diolis Guerra. Five and a third scoreless. I uh, use Mero Petit when eight innings allowed one earned run. Jake Diekman, seven and two thirds innings pitched, uh, only one earned run. Lou Trevino, who has established himself as a closer now, I'm pretty sure. Uh, seven and a third innings pitched, one earned run. Uh, and JB Wendelkin, seven and a third innings pitched, two earned runs. Uh, Sean Manaya. Uh, on the starting side of things, 19 innings pitched, a 1.42 ERA during the streak. Uh, and, you know, Chris Bassett and Frankie Montas were quality starters as well um, with ERAs in the threes during that uh, during that win streak. So everything was uh, moving along. And, you know, it seems like, you know, I didn't even really know how to feel about I still don't really know how to feel about the AL West yet. I, Nobody I does. Like the Angels were up top one day or one week, and now they're now they're like hovering around 500. The Astros were 4-0, then they lost a bunch of games. The A's were 0-6, and now they're up there. The Mariners uh, were in front for a while. Now they're in second, but they they took two out of four from the Red Sox, so that was pretty good. The one constant has been like the Rangers are kind of just down there, but even still, like they're hovering 500. Yeah. Very, so, very interesting. There's no, nobody knows what to think. It's been a month just about. We're about to, you know, I guess end the first month of the season. So yeah. who knows? Who knows what we got coming out of that division? Yeah. Can't really, uh, can't really get a gauge on that. But yeah, a, uh, a good storyline. 13 games in a row for the Swing and A's. And um, speaking of at least a guy who spent, a lot of his career in the Bay Area in the National League, uh, what seems for what seems like the first time, has found 
success uh, with his new team, Arizona, as he threw 77.7%, or I guess 77.8% of a no-hitter in an unofficial seven-inning no-hitter, Madison Bumgarner, uh, finally able able to get the first one. So we've obviously been having this discussion for a while about how a seven-inning no-hitter doesn't, you know, it's not recognized as an official no-hitter by MLB standards. And I was very worried that we were just going to get one one day and some like someone was just going to get screwed out of one. But I'm happy it happened to Madison Bumgarner because I genuinely don't think he cares. Yeah. <laughs> like if you see the reaction from him today as he gets the no-hitter, he's kind of just like awkwardly smiling. Like his teammates are are all crowding him and being all excited. He has the least amount of energy there. I wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise me if that was his reaction to actually throwing a nine-inning no-hitter. Yeah. And did yeah, you see I, the post-game press conference with him as well? Um, no, I did not. So he did a post-game, uh, like a thing on TV, obviously, uh, with the, you know, as soon as he comes off the field. And he said, before he got off, he was like, I'm going to say these two things and I'm going to go celebrate with the guys. I'd like to thank the Shadows in Atlanta today for helping me out. And I'd like to thank Rob Manfred for making these games seven innings. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's hilarious. I didn't know he had that. Nobody did. Like that was the first time he showed any sort of personality outside of like, looks like a redneck Mason Saunders dirt bike accident guy. Yeah. Like that, that's hilarious. Yeah. Like that's, that. I clearly like, you know, I'm happy that it happened to him because it doesn't really seem like he cares too much. Uh, I mean, no, I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's like, you know what? I think he's kind of just rolling with it. He's obviously been in a slump since he got to Arizona, whether it be injuries, whether it be performance. And I think just the ability to go out there and shove today against a really good offense in the Atlanta Braves only hold him to obviously no hits. The whole team held him to one hit over the two doubleheader games. Uh, I think that's really just what he's happy about. Yeah, yeah. Finally getting back on track. Yeah, it's it's cool to see him or um obviously I think if if Zach Granke threw one of these, <laughs> we would have had some fun things to to talk about. Just because yeah. also he had that that quote about like when he almost had a no hitter and he was like, Yeah, I don't think I really wanted to do that. I that that meant more press for me and I don't wanna I don't wanna deal with all that. He's it's, gonna have the most anticipated Hall of Hall of Fame speech of all time. Yeah, yeah, you will. He's going to be like, I'm going to be honest. I didn't want them to vote me in. Yeah. I didn't I, want to have to get up here and, and make this speech in, in Cooperstown. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I didn't I didn't want to travel all the way here from, I'm, I'm assuming he's, he's from like the West Coast. It's like, well, that is, would be, is, I mean, where is he originally from? I had, to, <laughs> yeah, he had to take like two connecting flights to get there. He'll talk about that. Hang on, uh, where's that cranky? Like, he's from he's from Florida. Oh, he's from Florida. I guess that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he loves the sunsets in Arizona. We know that. He plays in Texas right now. Uh, what's the? Has he ever pitched for a team uh, east of the Mississippi? Um, I don't think he has. No, I mean Milwaukee is west. I think so. Of the Mississippi. Is. Yeah, not a. Not an East Coast pitcher after all the teams he's been on. Of course, he's been on Royals, Brewers, Angels, Dodgers, uh, 
Diamondbacks, Astros, but nothing, yeah. uh, nothing in the East. But yeah, it would um, it would have been funny to see him just toss a seven inning no hitter and have basically the same reaction as Bumgarner did. Yeah, yeah. Hang on, I um, think Milwaukee might actually be be uh, east of it. Yeah, I think right. I think Wisconsin is like the cutoff state. Okay, yeah, so never mind. Yeah. He has he has, but it was only for. Uh, a year and a half. A year and uh, not a, a year and a half. Yeah, he yeah, threw yeah. 294 and two thirds innings, and that was it. Mm-hmm. About like ten percent of his innings, maybe. Yeah. Ish. Uh, if that, but yeah, uh, it, very interesting no hitter. Kind of funny how it uh, how it all panned out. And I'll admit it, like I was. I didn't say this on the record, but I was kind of writing him off after his first few starts of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, you you kind of had to go back to like how comfortable how comfortable he looked in uh, AT and T Park or or as it was at the time now Oracle Park, but he seemed like a pitcher that was very comfortable there, very comfortable with the Giants, and maybe the new change of scenery was just going to end up being too much for him i mean it could still be the case but i mean when you no hit the one of the best lineups in baseball for seven innings that's an extremely good sign yeah and by the way like while we're on that topic we talked last week about the braves and yankees both struggling uh i think we know which one of them is in better shape right now that is the new york yankees yeah uh yankees yeah, Yankees are coming back. They're, they they did pretty well against the Indi- uh, Indians, I'm pretty sure. They won three out of four. Yeah, won three out of four. So, and yeah, we, we talked about them uh, last week and like what, what they need to do. And they got the Orioles and Tigers coming up. And I feel like they're going to use that momentum to, uh, to their fullest. But yeah, I'm looking at Bumgarner's game logs. Uh, I didn't realize he had a pretty good start against the Nationals also. Uh, he did. He had that, that was the one before uh, the no-hitter, was it not? Yep, yep. He did all right there. But the first first uh, three games all consisted of five runs or more in five or fewer innings. Not, not good at all. No. And this I mean, was after a year where he had a – let me look at the ERA. He had a he had a six four eight ERA last year. Mm-hmm. After never having an ERA above four in his career, that's what it was last year. So obviously, you could see the where people could be alarmed. But yeah, yeah. interesting to see that out of out of Madison Bumgarner. Um, I mean. The next thing we have on the prep sheet is talking about Dodgers Padres, but I mean, it's not done yet. It's not and done. We thought we thought it'd be done, but then we forgot it was a Padres Dodgers game, and that everything has to be crazy. Yeah, literally, literally everything. I mean, it was seven to one. It was seven to one. Yeah, it was seven to one in the seventh inning. Who was who came in for the Dodgers and, and ended up giving all the runs up? Uh, Price gave up two, but only one was earned. Gratterall gave up two. Uh, Victor, your guy, Victor Gonzalez, did pretty well, but then Jimmy Nelson uh, was the one who blew it effectively. 
very, very interesting. I mean, uh, I guess they didn't have as much. They've been using a lot of bullpen guys as of late, so they probably wanted to rest like Kenley Jansen. Yeah. But uh, not working out for them. It's the bottom, you know, as we're of the ninth. Mookie Betts is up. Man on first, one out. Yeah. You know, it could obviously end in the bottom of this inning. But, uh, you know, and then if not, then we get the – we get men on second every inning, which is going to be something. But I guess, you know, if this game ends, we can – we can uh, if, if, it, if the game ends during the recording, we can go back to that. But I guess we should probably just get into uh, how about that's and slightly alarming. Are the Padres, Padres going to four-game sweep if they win this? No, they uh the Dodgers won. Oh yeah, the Dodgers won yesterday in the comeback. Either way, I mean, yeah, Dodgers need to salvage a split here. But the Padres, regardless of, and I mean, we kind of said this last week, uh, even with the the Dodgers winning two out of three, but like the Padres can absolutely hang with this Dodgers team. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, very much so. Even in the games that they've lost, they've been right there with them. It's never looked like an outclassing of any sort. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you, you wouldn't have known that the, you wouldn't have known on social media that the Dodgers won yesterday because, because the whole world was talking about Fernando Tatis Jr. Which was awesome. I mean, like that, that whole thing was so cool. Like he does the, he does the covering up the one eye after hitting the first home run to mock Bauer and then he does the McGregor strut. And of course I knew Bauer was going to be for it and that's fine. But then, uh, did you see the, you saw the whole thing on social media today, right? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, uh, Tatis Jr. was looking in at, at catcher signs from the batter's box, which some people have a problem with. You know, I probably wouldn't. It's just it seems kind of ineffective at some even point. If, even if he did, like he hit a pitch out of the zone to dead center for a home run. Yeah, that's one of those things where pitcher says, like, I made a good pitch and he hit it out. That's actually kind of true in this scenario. Yeah. Like, no, that's very true. Like, that pitch isn't supposed to be hit out, especially to left center. Like, he pulled it. Yeah, yeah. That's supposed to be, like, if anything, that's a, you know, traditional Yankee Stadium home run. Yeah, like, that's the pesky pull home run. Yeah, a pesky pull right around there, 310-foot homer. Yeah, no, he, he hit it to dead left center. Yeah. Um, but- and then the whole thing on social media where, like, he – or Bauer was like, wow, like if you need to if you need to know the pictures, just just ask me. And he sent like the Photoshop of like him holding a baby with Bauer's face on it. Yeah, Bauer it was a baby, it was probably like Tatis's like little cousin or a nephew. nephew or nephew or niece or whatever. And uh it was it had a Bauer, Bauer with one eye closed photoshopped onto it. Mm-hmm. Um very good stuff. I mean Bauer definitely loves it. He loves the marketing of, of, of all of it. Yeah. And I mean, yet, it's great when you can grow the game, except for when people want to watch their people want to stream their local team or people want to show emotion on the field. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, it is funny that those were the only two earned runs Bauer gave up. Yeah. Tatis homers. Yeah. He, he actually ended up with a decent start. It was six innings, two earned. That's a three ERA on the day. But yeah, I, I, I did notice that um like the 
blackout there, there's a lot more uh people in their replies saying like we need to end blackouts i'm Maybe that. it's a good sign, though. Like, maybe that's more people catching on to, to baseball that want to catch on to baseball. It's like, hey, we can't watch this game. Like, if you're in Southern California right now, you can't – I mean, I guess you can watch Padres Dodgers tonight because it's on ESPN, but you can't watch it – you know, you can't watch the regular weekend games with Don Orsillo on MLB TV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, social, social media can be somewhat powerful and in, in things like that. I mean, if you wanted – if they wanted to change things like you might have to try, I don't know if you could try a boycott out, but I don't think, I don't think it would be very effective. But I mean, my guess is that like the blackouts are like in the contracts they have with cable networks and that's why they still exist. Uh, but like yeah. if there was, if there was a time to even just experiment with getting rid of them, like why not do it in a pandemic? Like last year would have been perfect. People can't go to the games anyway. Now most people can't go to the games. You know, it's a, capacity limits some people might not want to because of of covid risks why not experiment with no blackouts right now and also don't why like have you ever noticed the mlb tv free game of the day is always like a pirates twins game yeah it is it's always like oh congrats you get a free game today enjoy tigers versus orioles <laughs> yeah it it usually seems like that it's, it's always just, a very insignificant game that affected that usually just doesn't mean anything in the long run yeah it's never it's never dodgers padres or red sox yankees yeah no it's always got to be just the one that's like the four it's like if you ever watch quick pitch they always have the one game that they show the highlights of like at the very end after like the trivia and everything and it's like just like a random insignificant game it's always that that's always the free game of the day yeah, exactly. Oh, it's, yeah, it's like one of the one of the nine seven o'clock games going on that night. Mm -hmm. Like the one you might have might have missed because there yeah, was like real highlights. Like it wasn't a walk off win or anything. It wasn't a it wasn't two teams that are like household name teams. I guess games going yeah. to extras. By the way, your uh yeah your your team is probably even your team is already probably playing in that time slot anyway. Yeah, it's like a random six to one game. With like yeah, eight walks, exactly, and like seventeen strikeouts. Yeah. Both, both got both teams had openers going. Yeah, it's just a disaster. Is it had a game time of like three hours and forty five minutes? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It was just a disaster. There was a, there was a, a a siren delay in the middle. Yeah, the power went out. Yeah, yeah, the yeah the power went out. It, they had to delay for half an hour because yeah. of it. There was a cool moment where the fans like got the flashlights on their phones going. It was just that was the that was the highlight of the game. Yeah, that was really that's really what you got out of that MLB TV free game of the day. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I I saw that that was kind of um, more of a trend. This past week or so um but yeah we're uh we're not we're not fans of the blackouts no one no one really is but i i did hear that they might be also involved with like uh players uh like with with like the player union but maybe maybe that's something to bring up in the new cba is the blackouts yeah um you know i know 
like uh, momentum has like end blackout t-shirts. So I know, I know some, I know some players are kind of active in not enjoying the blackouts, but uh, it's not like a, a mainstream concern as of yet. Yeah. You, know, you know, like I get the whole, you know, I understand that, but I think the one worry I have in the point you just made is I don't know how many like players are going to be for like Trevor Bauer representing them in this. Like, I don't know how the whole negotiations work, but I know that a lot of players aren't exactly a fan of like the momentum stuff and like the filming, all the, the stuff and like some of his more personal uh, side that he's shown on Twitter and whatnot. I mean, like, I don't know. I just don't know how some players are going to feel about that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know some players just get annoyed with that. Some fans get annoyed with that. Um, yeah, it is weird. I mean, he, he kind of, he's, you know, someone who markets himself, but sometimes people feel that he probably over markets himself. I mean, sometimes he like, he said some very questionable things, whether it be years ago or whether it's like in the very recent past, like he said some things that have kind of rubbed people the wrong way on Twitter. Yeah. That's, that's what happens when you're, uh, a, you know, when you put yourself out there uh, a lot, but yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the TV blackouts, not the greatest, but you know, that's, uh, that's very, very much above us. Mm-hmm. Can't do anything about that. I mean, I'm sure you saw the, like the MLB TV is like, it, like this has been the most streamed season so far. Like people have watched, uh, like 1.3 billion minutes of it. Like we've seen the most, like the 20 most watched days ever and the seven most watched games ever this year. And I mean, the, the whole general, like everyone's first reaction when seeing this is like, what does this look like when people can watch their regional teams? Yeah. I, I mean, um, I think that might be a trend in like this becoming more player driven. You know, I think younger fans aren't, aren't thinking about necessarily their team uh, only. They're also thinking about, Oh, I want to see, I want to see Fernando Tatis Jr. play tonight. I want to see Ronald Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, out there playing tonight. I want to see what uh, Jacob Degrom has to offer for you know the Nationals lineup tonight. I think it's very. Um, I think fans are more interested in the players in general these days than they were, uh, you know, years ago, rather than just following their team. This might, I was going to say like, this might sound like a take, but I think a lot of younger fans ha- are slowly becoming more interested in what the whole league has to offer rather than their own team. Yeah. Yeah. Like even as a fan of a team that is doing particularly well this year, like there are times where I find myself more intrigued in a different game. Like, I'm not ashamed to admit that. Like if Fernando Tatis Jr. is going off and the Red Sox are winning seven to one. Yeah. I might change the channel. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, and I, yeah, I think, um, you know, the MLB recognizes that and, you know, we've talked about it before, you know, this is the most young talent that the Mm -hmm. league has had in a very long time. So that definitely plays a a factor in that. The league is like, the league is interesting. Like the, the amount of, I mean, like the MLB iceberg is that like an all time, like accessibility rate, if that makes any sense. Like if you want to get all of the data you possibly can, it's available to you. 
whether that whether that's on fan graphs, whether that's on baseball reference, baseball savant, where you know, uh, retro sheet, wherever you want to go, like it's all there. Like you can, you know, anyone can essentially be an analyst now. Like I think that's the beauty of what baseball has become when the, in the statistical revolution, and people want to see as much of it as possible so they can form their own arguments and make their cases. And a lot of that just can't happen with regional blackouts. Yeah, uh, very much so. Yeah, like, yeah, just to the, I guess, yeah, just to the general point is, yeah, it makes it, all the, the wealth of information out there definitely makes it easier for, for people like us. You know, we don't, it's not just up to a research team at ESPN or MLB Network. Mm-hmm. Now I can just go and take a look at, uh, you know, a particular guy's walk rate or, or chase rate on baseball savant and um determine determine what's been going on even if i haven't seen one at one plate appearance of theirs i can kind of see what's going on there but um exactly. i guess that kind of leads into uh how about that yeah i mean there's one last point like you were mentioning you know anyone can find like if you see a stat on twitter like you, know, you don't have to be a journalist to look that up yeah. Like, you know, all the time I will see, and it's, and it's being a journalist is all about getting it first pretty much in that, in that instance. But like, you know, I'll see it, I'll see it, the stat sometimes on Twitter where it's like, this person is the first to do that. And I'll Google it and it's, yeah, it's right there. Like, it's a matter of who wants it, who gets it first. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh... like anyone theoretically can do it, but sometimes you got to pay for it. And that's, you know, that is what it is. Yeah. And sometimes like with Elias Sports Bureau, you have no idea how to get to it. Yep. Well, um, I, I feel like Elias might be just the one where it's like, yeah, only only certain people can access this this database. Yeah. You, like it doesn't matter what money you have available for the website. They're just yeah, like, nah, this it's is just, that's a private club. Yep. It is. You know, Stat, Stathead is trying their best, but, um, but we know. still slip through the cracks. Yes. So, yes. so that's or, a shame. By the way, the Potters are pinch hitting a pitcher right now. Ryan Weathers is batting in the top of the tenth inning with two guys on and one out. Uh, I'm guessing it's anyone... yeah, their bench is empty. <laughs> so I'm guessing it's for a different pitcher. It probably is. Emilio it must be the yeah, it's the nine spot right now. And it's either that or Emilio Pagan bats. Um, yeah, and I guess they'd rather have a starter hit than a reliever because at least a starter gets in a couple plate appearances a game. A reliever does not. But also, like, Ryan Weathers might just be going. When was the last time he pitched? I think Wednesday. Um, yeah, he started on, uh, yeah, Wednesday. So I guess he's coming out in relief. Sounds about right. I could be wrong. Maybe it's Thursday. I would have th- thought that he'd be starting or no he started on thursday i think yeah he started yeah, on thursday lamette because lamette came back on wednesday mm-hmm. he pitched five and two thirds on thursday yeah he pitched uh, he threw 89 pitches uh this is going to be like a two inning relief appearance max yeah i don't know yeah we'll see what because supposedly lamette is coming back again like he got hurt but now he's good again and it's a very weird thing it is very weird but you know that's uh, other people's expertise. But yeah, we'll get into the how about that's uh, players to highlight for good and bad reasons. Um, 
So our uh, Monday, April 26th edition of How about that? what players do you have to highlight for good reasons? So I have a player that I, I did a pretty deep dive on today and uh, I found a lot of cool information. This is uh this is not by any means a low profile guy. Everyone should know this guy, but uh, he's been performing extremely well this year. And it is Evan Longoria. He is, uh, he's listed as day to day right now with some hamstring issues, but uh, in the time he's played, he's been making the most of his age 35 season. He's slashing 291, 391, 582, 972 against, and uh, particularly he is destroying the ball against left-handers. He is slashing 500, 667, 13, 13 for a 1979 OPS in 24 plate appearances against left-handed pitchers. That's for a 741 Woba and a 374 weighted runs created plus, which honestly feels low. Like 1979 OPS, and it's only a 374 weighted runs created plus. That should be a lot higher, it feels like. Uh, all of those lead the majors against lefties, except for the batting average, which is 500. He is in the 100th percentile in a hard hit percentage with a 68.3, the 98th percentile in exit velocity with a 96.1, 97th percentile in expected slugging with a 709, 96th percentile ex woba with a 458, 95th percentile chase rate, it's 16.3, and last year it was 27.8, which was 47th percentile. 94th percentile barrel percentage with a 19.5 and 92nd percentile expected batting average with a 326. So all of his expected statistics are actually higher than his regular statistics. So it seems like he's getting unlucky. And Longoria was a guy at the beginning of the season I mentioned was about two solid seasons away from really being a serious Hall of Fame candidate. So he's obviously making the most of it right now. And I actually have a lot more on that. And you can check it out in my article for Diamond Digest, which will hopefully be posted today. Yeah. By yeah. By the way, program announcement. Uh, Daniel Curran has a uh, has a nice spot with Diamond Digest now. So yeah, be on the lookout for um, some content being produced on that uh, very good website. Absolutely. From uh, from Mr. Curran, but yeah. Um. Yeah, very good. Uh, very good analysis there. I have uh, I have two. How about that? I didn't go. There we too, go. I didn't. I didn't go too deep on either one. Uh, so I, I figured I'd do two, and I actually picked these two because I, I picked them for um, very very similar reasons. Um, one of them was not age because they're actually pretty different on the age scale, but their improvements have been very similar. So the first man i am mentioning um it seems like he's finally doing it this year vladimir guerrero jr we got to talk about him yeah we do uh he's it seems like he's breaking out after two you know somewhat disappointing years in his career uh this year starting out hitting 338 with a 1035 ops and uh his ops was about 100 points higher like two days ago he's just had a couple bad games uh his walk rate and this is what's particularly fascinating. His walk rate has more than doubled from last season. It's gone from 8.2% to 17.6%. Uh, this is largely due to his chase rate going down from 24.6% in 2020 to 17.9% this year. 
very much, much more disciplined, uh, a much more disciplined version of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this season, which is very good to see. Because, you know, when I when you thought of him, you thought of kind of a an aggressive free swinging uh, kind of guy. Now he has a lot more plate discipline and it seems to be working out in his favor. He's in he's also in the 91st percentile in all of baseball in uh, chase rate. So he's uh, selecting the correct pitches. And he also, from a historical perspective, he has four multi-walk games already. And the last player, 22 or younger, to do that in their team's first 18 games was Bryce Harper in 2015. How about that? Anytime uh, you're comparing Bryce Harper's 2015, you know it's good. Yeah, you know, when you're thinking Bryce Harper's 2015 – you're thinking of some quality hitting uh, guy won an MVP that year unanimous unanimously. And uh, no one has had a, a better OPS plus in a season since outside of uh Soto in the 60 game season. So I don't know if we, if, if we're counting that, but, um, but yeah. And uh, my second, how about that player? Uh, not, not quite 22, but, in his late thirties, but doing extremely well this year too. Yuli Gurriel, uh, first baseman for the Astros. He's hitting 333 with a 1011 OPS. Uh, he never had a walk rate above 6%. This, he, he never had a walk rate above 6% until this year where that walk rate is 18.4%. It's more than tripled his career high. It's pretty unbelievable to see actually, uh, you know, I guess it's a somewhat small sample size, but it's been about 20 games and he's more than tripled his career high in walk rate. And his chase rate has gone from 34.4% in 2020 to 26.9% this year. Uh, so, you know, in 2020, he was in the 15th percentile for chase rate, which is, you know, he was one of the least disciplined hitters out there. Uh, this year it's 50th percentile. So he's, kind of average in terms of discipline but in terms of walks uh he's getting them getting them very very well uh at 18.4 percent almost almost one out of every five plate appearances for Guriel is a free pass so uh two two guys that have decided to uh you know hang back on some more pitches and it's working out well for them so now we go from the highs to the lows where we're going to highlight a player or just a general subject that uh, is not doing particularly well. So our Monday, April 26th edition of slightly alarming. All right. So who is, uh, who is on your docket for unsuccessful subjects this week? So before I get into my slightly alarming, I just want to clear the air and say, we always talk about Vlad Guerrero juniors, like disappointing first couple seasons in the majors. Uh, the fact of the matter is, Chris, he had a 109 OPS plus in his first two seasons, and he had a 106 OPS plus in 2019. It's the fact that he had so much expectations placed on him that it's like he's going to come up and he's going to be a, a 150 OPS hitter at age 20, and he's going to be just like his dad. And, you know, it takes patience. And honestly, when you really look at it from a st statistical level, he's actually kind of exceeded the usual growing pains that young prospects go through when they first get to the majors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is funny that we do talk about like disappointment and, and yeah. like it kind of 
came up with Bryce Harper too. Kind of funny that they're uh, paralleled when they kind of had the same stat. But yeah, um, like you look at a guy like, you know, Joe Adele, you know, he's had some pretty major struggles and you can't really blame the guy because he's 20, 21 years old. Maybe it is, maybe it's just that um, there have been guys recently that have had major success immediately, like to name a few, Fernando Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr., Juan Soto, like those three, those three guys, like, but that's not normal at all. (laughs) So no, we can't really expect that out of yeah, a, for out every of a one. Like, Soto, there's a, there's a Dylan Carlson who struggled last year, but he's been doing very well this year. Yeah. Like it's hard to, uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to be a, a good MLB player by the age of 25, never mind 20. Yeah. Uh, the Padres intentionally walked two consecutive batters to load the bases with one out. And the batter for the Dodgers is, uh, what? Are you seeing this, Chris? You want to take a look at who the batter is for the Dodgers with the bases loaded and one out? To oh, my God. <laughs> uh, should, we pause, is... should we pause this? and? Yeah, Chris, you got to give the play-by-play here. All right. So... I don't have the game. You do. All right, so we're looking at Clayton Kershaw. We got one out with the bases loaded. We got uh, – is that Tim Hill on the mound? Yeah. Tim Hill, Kershaw coming in with a career 392 OPS. Uh, looking 929 to... this year. Yeah. Oh, 9 929 this year. So he's on a good By the trend. Way, have we had a pitcher homer this year at all? Um, besides Shohei Otani. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Philip Evans. No. Philip Evans. <laughs> Philip Evans, who was a position player who came in to pitch a one, two, three inning. Uh, also homered in the same game. So, yeah, we got Clayton Kershaw. It's a 1 0 count. Hill delivers the sidearm 89 mile per hour fastball outside 2 0. Oh my God. Kers- <laughs> Kershaw also, already this year, has had a bases loaded walk delivered by you, Darvish, in which, in which a, a game was later won by the Dodgers two to nothing. So, you know, you want to see plate discipline. You, you look at a guy like Clayton Kershaw just took a strike, you know, a nice two Oh fastball. So yeah, two one, you got Clayton Kershaw up there with Tim Hill on the, on the, on the Hill. Oh, didn't mean to do that. Yeah, he did. fouls one back two two count. I mean, if if Clayton Kershaw delivers the walk, like, when was the last time a starting pitcher? Oh yeah, didn't he? Uh, was it a like a suicide squeeze or something yeah, like that? Yeah, but there's two outs here, I think, right? Or there's one out, right? Yeah, there's one out. I guess they didn't they didn't give the sign. I guess they have enough confidence in Kershaw's hitting ability. It's a fastball lined towards the third base dugout for a foul ball and it remains 2-2 so he's gone three sinkers and two fastballs here in this at bat yeah everything uh upper half of the zone so far so i'm guessing those sinkers were probably mistakes i would imagine he's going for the double play because if he puts one on the ground that's got to be two with 
you know, Kershaw's. I feel like his, I think his mindset is just get the sinker over the plate and in the zone, because if he hits it, it's probably going on the ground and he's obviously not a great hitter. He's a pitcher. So yeah. it could be too. And he's not fast either. So he's not beating it out. Yeah. From the looks of it, he seems like he's missing location a little bit because he's going like upper half of the zone, which you don't want in a ground ball situation. And he strikes him out. Wow. So we got two out here. Uh, who is and uh, I don't know who you got coming up next. Who's in the seven hole? Uh, Pollock, maybe. Uh, what? Who is this guy? DJ Peters. DJ Peters. Uh, I. Of all the Dodgers, I really don't know who. Uh, DJ I think Peters he's, is. Is he making his debut tonight? No, he made his debut two days ago. So this guy, number 38. He has four at-bats. He has never reached base safely, and now he's coming up. He could have his Tony Renda moment. <laughs> yeah, even more significant. Yeah. He takes a fastball about two feet above the strike zone. <laughs> and it's uh, 1-0. DJ Peters walks it off here. Like yeah. The Dodgers have had so many no names come up and produce for them this year. Like Zach McKinstry has been very big as a rookie. Um, Luke Rayleigh hit some big home runs earlier in the last series. And now you got DJ Peters up there to walk it off on Sunday night baseball after an incredible game. Yeah. If if he's the if he's the guy to do it. Yeah, it's uh one one now. We just fouled off a a pitch to the right side of the field. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember in 2019 when they had three rookies in a row walk it off. Who was it? It was Matt Beatty, Will Smith, and Alex Verdugo. Yeah, not in that order. Um, oh well, uh, Peters grew up in Glendora, California. He was drafted by the Cubs in the 36th round, but he didn't sign. The last time he was drafted was by the Dodgers in the fourth round in 20. 16 out of Western Nevada College. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, a fourth rounder, that's that's a pretty good yeah. player. All things considered. I think Bobby Dahlbeck was a fourth rounder. Yeah. Mookie Betts is a fifth rounder, I believe. Or he was a second rounder. Right. You know? out, of, out of high school. Yeah. So I guess, like, if he went to college, it would have been a little bit a little bit higher. That's true. That's true. Peter's a... Uh, Took a, a fastball that was inches outside of the strike zone. This guy uh, slash 243, 378, 432, 810 in spring training. So he knows he knows how to walk. And that'd yeah. be pretty big right now. And he takes ball three. Oh, my God. Look at that. Full count. on it. Walk off walk. It's going to happen. I mean, yeah. This guy has a this guy had a really good walk rate in spring training. Tim Hill has kind of been wild. He took Kershaw to two to two balls. Now he's taking this guy to three balls. I think we're going to see one more mistake and win the game. Three, two, bases loaded, two outs. Hill comes set. He delivers the pitch. It is fouled to the right side, and that looks like that'll be out of play. Oh, my God. See, I can't see the TV with you blogging it, so I'm like, this is a radio call for me. I mean, I don't even know if you could see – 
you'd have to have a pretty big screen to see what's i can see the tv let me pin your let me pin your uh your video here yeah i could see it it's it might be backwards too (laughs) i mean you know i'm we're we're trying to fill uh airspace but i I think we're doing prompt to calling a game we're doing somewhat well yeah although whoever's listening to this already can look up the results of this game Base is loaded. He comes set fires. Swing and a miss. Oh, and, that was ball four. And uh, we head to the 11. Wow. Well, good time to uh, start some slightly alarming statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, as we get going. So uh, who do you have to highlight? This one hurts, Chris. Um, you know, sometimes as a fan, there are very rare moments where you have sort of a personal connection to a guy and uh you know what sometimes you got to be unbiased and call them out when they aren't doing so well massachusetts native nick ahmed uh. has been struggling at the plate as late he collected three hits in the double header today combined in the two games to raise his slash line to 128 163 170 334 um the one thing that i've really taken away from his, his stats so far is that 38.7% of his batted balls are going to the opposite field and his season high is 25.7%. He's not a push hitter, but he's been this year. And the issue is that only one of his hits this year has gone to right field. And most of his hits or most of his batted balls are going to right field. Only one of them has actually landed. So my immediately, my immediate thought was like, he must be seeing more fastballs if he's just, you know, pushing the ball the other way more. And he's seen 54.7% fastballs, which is the exact same that he saw in 2020. So he must just be late on more pitches. Maybe he's trying to take a different approach. Whatever it is, it hasn't been working offensively. And he's never been known as a great hitter. But, I mean, he's much better than a 128, 163, 173, 34. And, I mean, hey, he had a really good day today. So I believe that he can get it going today. But uh, right now, it's not looking great. Yeah, must be some, uh, yeah, weak weak uh right side contact from mm-hmm. from him but yeah um you know hopefully he can turn it around not to pile on but i believe his error today caused caused the uh bumgarner no hitter to not be a perfect game because bumgarner I mean, had zero, <laughs> he had zero walks not to pile on but, that's a problem, but he's a great defensive player and that's just a one-time mistake that's yeah just, uh, that like That's he's still, rare. I think he's still in the 97th percentile and outs above average this year. Yeah, he's got, yeah. He's he's one of the best out there. He's a gold glove winner. Yeah. But, you know, to, to you know. But, yeah. Uh, my slightly alarming, and by the way, Nick Ahmed. Slightly alarming. Uh, my slightly alarming is uh, a guy who, you know, was mentioned when, you know, people were, talking about potential uh, rookie of the years uh, Ryan Mountcastle he's hitting 167 with a 472 OPS his whiff rate is up 6.5% and his strikeout to walk ratio has gone from 2.7 in 2020 to 8 in 2021 so for this year for every for every uh eight strikeouts there is only one walk from uh one walk there's eight strikeouts yeah one one walk for every eight strikeouts 
for Ryan Mountcastle, which is pretty, pretty uh, alarming. And his whiff rate, particularly on off-speed pitches, which is what Savant considers uh, mostly splitters and change-ups, you know, nothing that's breaking, but nothing that is uh, just a straight fastball or a sinker or a two-seam fastball or a cutter. You know, the ones that just kind of die, uh, those off-speed pitches. Uh, his whiff rate on those has gone from 32.4% to 61.6%. Uh, it's almost doubled, which is pretty crazy to consider. You know, obviously a somewhat small sample size, but maybe they're, you know, maybe they found pitchers uh, found a weakness and are attacking him. But I mean, 61.6% whiff rate on off-speed pitches is just, it's, it's not slightly alarming. It's very alarming, but for this week, I'm giving Ryan Mountcastle a slightly alarming. So yeah, you know, we'll see how we, uh, how he recovers, but you know, was a guy who's talked about a bit you know we talked about him in our uh in our previews but not going well for him thus far uh could improve of course uh but yeah those were our players to highlight for good and bad reasons i guess we'll get into uh the preview of the week and weekend ahead because we're gonna go by the yeah by the way we're going once a week until our uh, school year ends and then we'll probably get right back to twice a week but uh, what are you looking at for this upcoming week slash weekend? So in the week, I'm looking at Phillies versus Cardinals in St. Louis. Uh, these are both teams that are hovering 500 that I think are kind of below expectations as of right now. The Phillies bullpen has kind of remained the Phillies bullpen. Today they gave up 12 runs to the to the uh, the Rockies. Uh, that was not a good performance. But on and then the Cardinals, they've been doing better lately. But it's still, I mean, I, Paul Goldschmidt's got to get going. Nolan Arenado still hasn't really been himself. Uh, the whole, whole offense just is very questionable. The rotation started out very bad, but they're getting better. Um, and I'm looking at these two because they're matching off, matching up this week. And we got Zach Wheeler versus Adam Wainwright on Monday. I think the Phillies are in favor there. And from there, we have Zach Eflin versus Carlos Martinez on Tuesday. And then we have uh, To Be Determined versus John, or your Johan Ove. Ov- Oviedo for the Cardinals. I believe that's how to say it. Oviedo. Yeah, it's a four-game series, and then Aaron Nola is going to pitch game four against to be determined for the Cardinals. So it's a four-game series, and then during the weekend, uh, I'm looking at an ind- or uh, I'm looking at a matchup of uh, of a playoff um, rematch from last year. I'm looking at Dodgers versus Brewers at American Family Field. The Brewers are in first place in the NL Central. I put a lot of expectations on them this year. And it's going to be a big test, especially because I'm assuming Corbin Burns is going to be going on the last day of that series. So that's obviously a very exciting matchup, no matter what. Uh, but I don't think any starters have been the, the, the problem with previewing the weekend right now is that no starters have been announced. It's going to be a four game series in Milwaukee. Um, but Woodruff and Burns are going to pitch the last two games for Milwaukee. Mar- uh, Walker Bueller is probably going to pitch one of them as well. Yeah, some uh, some horses are going to be going at it in, uh, in that one for sure. Um, for this uh, particular like Monday through Wednesday little series, uh, I'm looking at kind of two teams that are somewhat underperforming. You could debate whether one team is underperforming or not, but you know, one team, 
one of the teams we definitely had uh, higher expectations for, and we both had that we both had them in the playoffs, and they've been performing pretty badly as of late. Uh, this Monday through I believe Wednesday or yeah, Monday through Wednesday series. Uh, Cleveland versus Minnesota. Oh, never, mind. never mind. Yeah, Cleveland versus Minnesota. Yeah, the Twins have, I believe, lost 10 out of 12 or something like that. So I'm looking to see how they're able to perform against a, a division foe. Uh, the Indians are coming off a bad series against the Yankees as well. So, you know, let's see if they're going to recover. Um, I'm particular kind of, particularly kind of looking at what Kenta Maeda can do because – you know, he has a 6-1-1 ERA this year. He's going to be facing a pretty, let's say, a bad Indians lineup. So I'm seeing if he can recover against a generally poor lineup. Um, so I think uh, I, th- I think that's going to be an interesting series. It- it'll be a test for both teams as to kind of where they're at in their current state. And, um, yeah, the Twins are probably going to have to uh, get going. Uh, over the weekend – this next weekend uh, a particularly interesting series i think is uh padres giants um because the uh you know the giants are they have they currently have a better record than the padres no matter the result of uh this game that is going to be ending you know at some point tonight uh yeah the giants have a 14 and 8 record the padres as of right now this recording are 12 and 11 potentially 12 and 12 or 13 and 11, but uh, Giants currently have a better record. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see as, as to uh, what the Giants are able to do against them. The Giants are just kind of a, a mystery team, man. I, I just don't, I never know what to, what to think. I'm telling about. you, they were my sleeper team in the NL. Don't sleep on them. I mean, so last year was their offense that was surprising, but this year, this is this year, their offense is a 93 OPS plus. Yeah. Now their pitching has a 131 ERA plus. Like, yeah, that's right. So this team has like no identity, but they're just figuring out. They just figure out a way to win. That's, just, yeah, they, that's they, their identity. They're taking, they're taking it game by game, Chris. Sometimes it's you know, sometimes it's Mike Yastrzemski. Lots of times it's Kevin Gosman. Johnny Cueto has been having his comeback campaign. The bullpen is very meh, but that's yeah. all right. The Padres just sort of run. Aaron Sanchez looking like his 2016 yeah. self. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, Alex Wood, two starts, one run allowed in 12 innings. It's just wild. Yeah. Uh, the bullpen's looking. You have some good. That whistle's got a solid 10 and a half ERA. <laughs> yeah. It's making me look like a genius. Right. Yeah. Uh, t- but yeah, Tyler Rogers, 13 and two thirds innings pitched, one earned run. Uh, yeah. It's just. The Giants, man, they're they're becoming sort of like the A's, uh, but at least the A's kind of have more of an identity. The Giants, you just don't know how it's going to happen. But uh, it's okay. You don't you don't need to right now. You figure it's, that it's out. As you go. That's why you play 162 of these. And yeah, and yeah, they're they're playing the Padres uh, this next weekend, who definitely have an identity. You know them as one of the most talented teams in baseball. So and it's in the Bay. Uh, no, it is. Uh, it, it's at Petco once again, even though they already Weird. played at Petco. I assume it was in the Bay because they already played at Petco, huh? Yeah, they're playing at Petco again. So that's awfully weird. 
interesting. It would have been more intriguing if it were at the Bay. But yeah, um, so yeah, that uh, so yeah, that'll be an interesting series for sure. You know, just kind of a a band of characters versus you know one of the more hyped and talented teams in baseball uh, will be fun to watch. So that pretty much does it. Uh, the Padres are up eight eight to seven now. Pretty much does it for the episode. Um, very, very interesting episode from uh, Above Replacement Radio. Yeah. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. If you want to follow us, if, if you uh, are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch, uh, want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to our YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Also, check out the playlists, you know, history series stuff, even uh, Hall of Fame breakdowns for the bubble cases all the way back then. Yeah. Get your Hall of Fame in. Go get your Hall of Fame in April in early. Yeah, only only about nine months away till Hall of Fame elections. So. Hey, it's never too early to start talking Hall of Fame. Never, never. So yeah, take a, take a look at all that. And uh, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Giata. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Current, and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the uh, all the show needs. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope you will enjoy the next one, which will be uh, on Monday, you know, a week from now, on Monday, where we're talking all the stuff, all the happenings in Major League Baseball. See you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.